Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Stripe Show podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. In this episode, we break down the team of the hottest player on the PGA Tour, Brendan Todd, back-to-back wins, Bermuda Championship, and the Mayakoba Golf Classic. Last Monday on the Monday Scorecard on my Instagram platform, at Travis Fulton Golf, I took a deep dive into the career of the former University of Georgia player, Brendan Todd. Back in 2010, Brendan was on the Corn Ferry Tour. 13 starts, missed the cut all 13 times. The struggle was real. 2012, 13, eventually breaking through in 2014, winning the Byron Nelson Championship. Some good golf followed until he got to the 2015 BMW Championship. He opened up with 63-66. But as the story goes, in the third round on Saturday, fourth hole, second shot, he hit a shot way to the right. A big block. One hole over, into the bush, eventually made triple bogey, and shot 76. Keep in mind, Brendan just won a year ago. He opened up the tournament with 63-66. But this is how fickle the game can be. Brendan started to fear the shot to the right. He started to steer it, a lot of anxiety, and it led eventually to the full swing yips. 2006 to 2008, 41 starts, missed the cut 37 times. Just a year ago, at the RCM Classic, Brendan sat down with his financial advisor and considered opening up some pizza franchises and walking away from his playing career. On Monday, he played in the qualifier and shot 61 made the cut, and has been building momentum ever since. Brendan would not be in this position if it wasn't for his team. He went through a lot of swing coaches. Eventually, he found Bradley Hughes, who has helped him rebuild his swing. Another part of that team is a gentleman by the name of Ward Jarvis, who has helped him from a mental side, overcome performance anxiety, and overcome the full swing yips. Enjoy. Episode number three of the Stripe Show podcast with Ward Jarvis. Ward Jarvis, a man that's been around the game basically his whole life. He's played the game. He's caddied it at the highest level, the PGA Tour, for 10 years and now currently is a sports psychologist to the hottest player in the game, Brendan Todd. But the story of Ward Jarvis goes well beyond the links. Currently, he's a firefighter in the state of Kentucky. He's also a man that knows a thing or two about overcoming performance anxiety. Ward has struggled most of his life with stuttering and taught himself how not to stutter and overcome the anxiety that he would feel in a public setting. It's a terrific story and a story that led him to reach out to Brendan Todd. He knew Brendan from his caddy days and offered his counsel from what he's learned about overcoming the performance anxiety and not to stutter to help Brendan overcome the full swing yips and get back out there and play at a high level again. Brendan accepted, the two have been together And the two, along with Bradley Hughes, have formed a team that has positioned Brendan Todd now with back-to-back wins 
and currently number one in the FedEx Cup. I hope you enjoy this conversation with a terrific man, sports psychologist Brendan Todd, Ward Jarvis. Joining me now here on the Stripe Show, Ward Jarvis in Kentucky, where uh, it uh, the winter has started. Is that right, Ward? It has. It's going back and forth. But, uh, <laughs> pretty nice today. But well, it's, uh, it's golf season uh, on the PGA Tour still. And, of course, one of your... Uh, one of your students is really turning on right now. Brendan Todd, back-to-back wins on the PGA Tour. And just one of the more, you know, fascinating stories for me. And we'll get into that here in a little bit into the podcast. But, Ward, I want to start with your Twitter handle. And you can follow Ward at WJarvisCoaching on Twitter. And in your profile, it says that you're one who helps those navigate the cost of their dreams. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Explain that. Yeah. I mean, any type of elite performance that requires you go all in, right. One of my concerns and kind of passions is just kind of the cost of going all in and uh, maintaining wellness while going all in on your performance, something to be aware of that I kind of pride myself on. Yeah. Um, just, you know, I call it life in the box and life out of the box. And we all have uh, things that are important to us outside of our performance, our role as performers. So I try to keep an eye on those things. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, when, you, when you're dealing with anyone at this level, right, the elite level that Brendan is playing on, the sacrifice that these guys have to make. I mean, the reality is they have to put so much time into it and so many of them I would imagine get maybe overly consumed, right? Because that's all they're thinking about from the minute they wake up because they maybe feel like they have to, right? The next person is putting in that amount of time. They're living it, they're breathing it, they're eating it, they're sleeping it. So the balance of that and the cost of of your dreams and being all in, I would imagine that there's got to be some perspective there and some balance to really kind of make it all work. Uh, Yes, uh... The balance aspect, obviously, you're going to be off balance, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But as long as you're aware of it and the, the downsides, just uh, I think a lot of it is just developing that, that self-awareness to, to sustain long-term su- success. And because, you know, I, I believe you can be an unbelievable performer, you know, for a period of time. But if you don't really pay attention to, you know, all aspects of your life that, you know, are important to you, you know, that you can't help but care about. I um, mm-hmm. think that that's where we get in trouble, where the different pressure points hit us at different times. And no one is ever 100% prepared to to deal with everything that matters to us. Yeah, and it's just not it's just not just in, in playing the game, but that's probably great advice in anything that we do. And I want to get into Brendan Todd, uh, of course, uh, someone that you know very well, now a three-time winner on the PGA Tour. I do a show on my platform. It's called the Monday Scorecard, and we just did it this week. And I spent about five or six minutes on the Brendan Todd story because I found it so fascinating, and it's really touched me. I've always known who Brendan was playing golf at the University of Georgia. You know, he came out on tour. Of course, he won the Byron Nelson in 2015. But as you start digging and you go through this story, I mean, this is – a story of perseverance and really working himself 
from what I would imagine was the bottom when we start getting into talking about the full swing yips. And I think my first question to you is, is one where the way that you two started to work together. Now, 99% of the time, Ward, the player is the one that's going to seek out the coach, right? But in this Absolutely. example, in this situation, <laughs> it was the other way around, right? It never hurts to ask, right? <laughs> ask and you shall receive. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a great, it's a great story. I um, caddied out on what was in the Nationwide Tour 2009 and 2010, and actually, I uh, I met my wife in December of 2010 while I was off the road, and uh, we fell in love. And I'd always wanted a, a family. And uh, th- th- that was important to me. And I had, so I had made a decision to forgo the golf stuff and uh, get off the circus, so to speak, for mm-hmm. that time period. But my last, one of my last events, uh, Br- Brendan was, uh, he needed a looper. We somehow, he asked another caddy and he put him in touch with me. So I went to Louisiana to uh, caddy for Brendan. It was actually the last tournament I ever officially caddied in as a full-time caddy just I mean the story was I was sick as a dog that week and I didn't feel good but I was pressing through uh Brendan was in the middle of I think he went over 13 that that uh season on the nationwide and uh so he was in the middle of of his first uh big free fall we had a good a good week his his family his wife was so sweet to me uh her dad's a position i think he actually called me in a z-pack that week so it's just i I remember how they treated me you know i exited out of the game but obviously kept up with with brennan's uh career i just thought it was great how he had pieced his game back together a year later you know one on the web then one q school got back out on tour had a great year in 14 um so I, i i would send him an occasional text we probably shared maybe four or five texts from 2010 to August 2018, I guess. Um, but I'd followed his career, was really interested um, in what was going on. And when he hit that second slump, I had a sense that I wanted to reach out to him. I had started my mental performance coaching business uh, here locally, uh, working with some, some good high school players and a few college players, talking with some guys on the web. That, that I know. I thought a lot of my ideas would Brennan could connect with in terms of just performance anxiety and just just the struggle and the grind and how the game just, you know, beats the hell out of you at times. And I reached out to him and uh, basically just asked him what he was doing about his golf game. And he was very receptive. You know, we set up a time to talk and just said, you know, I just want to share my story with you. Um, hear a little bit more about yours and just go from there. And yeah, we literally had spent the past year and a half uh, just talking every week, uh, just piecing it back together. And it's just been beautiful. I want to ask you, and you talk about a couple different struggles here. You know, there was a time with Brendan Todd back in 2010 where he was on the Corn Ferry Tour and he missed I think he had 13 starts, missed all 13 cuts, and then, you know, kind of grinded his way there 2011, 12, 13. Finally got the win at the Byron 2014. And as the story goes, and I want to confirm this with you, but in 2015, he was playing in the BMW Championship, opened up with 63-66, right? Two terrific rounds. Yeah. And then the fourth hole of the third round on Saturday, 
he blocked a shot 50 yards to the right, made triple, shot 76. And as he puts it, everything changed at that moment, which I just find fascinating. Is that true? Uh, yeah, it is. He had, he had uh, been uh, struggling on some of the longer courses and wanted to try some different things, chase some different rabbits, so to speak. But, you know, one of the important things that, you know, that stood out to me in kind of our journey is that he said, you know, I'd come out of slumps before, but I had never dealt with my mental lows. That was basically in our first conversation. I just promised him, I said, you know, we're going to deal with your, your mental lows. So that's the unique thing about this comeback this time is that, you know, we just went to work on the foundation of the, the mental template, as I call it. You know, it's in place for, the, for you know, the, the good, the bad, the great, and everything in between. So the, that was really important to me is to, we're going to, you know, the swing comes and goes and we try to yeah. do things. But, you know, we, we've got to return to some fundamental performance beliefs, you know, probably more important about then what's essential to performance is equally important as what's not essential. Mm. You know, you don't have to think perfectly. You don't always have to think positive. You don't have to not think about score. You know, just all all those things that we're told that we need to not do, it's okay. Yeah. uh, As long as we have a way to navigate through it. Now, Brendan's coach, eventually, as he was working through this, and I think he saw a number of different coaches as well more from the mechanical standpoint and um, he ended up working with Bradley Hughes and Bradley kind of worked with them more from the technical side where as you mentioned you're working more from you know the mental standpoint how how closely did you and Bradley work together on someone who at this point in time had the yips right the full swing yips yeah to be honest with you, we didn't work th- th- that close at all. I, okay. I was familiar. Now I stayed up to date with what he was doing in his swing, and it just it just coincided. It just it was a beautiful fit. Um, in terms of you know, I was concerned. I wanted Brendan to have places to go mentally, and with with Brad's emphasis on pressures and feels r- rather than you know drawing lines on swings and trying to hit different positions. I just thought it's just beautiful. I mean, it's a great place for a player like Brendan's mind to go to is to pressures and feels, you know, from the ground up. So mm-hmm. I didn't really have to reach out to Brad because, you know, obviously what, what he was doing was genius and kind of our work, I think, has just meshed beautifully, mm-hmm. from, you know, ha- having a place to go mentally. Yeah, Brendan always seemed to me as a player who, you know, you use the word pressure, and feels which can be kind of tied into the mechanical standpoint and using the ground and kind of letting go of you know where the club is in space or the club face or an alignment or a particular number say on a launch monitor right yeah you, you kind of go this more i don't want to say casual approach but a certainly a different approach where a player like brendan who who strikes me as someone who is probably not that technical and doesn't want to quantify success so much from what a position would look like or what a number would say, but rather, yeah, these feels work. I like these feels. I like these pressures because from here I can be an instinctive golfer and kind of let it go. Is that, would that be a fair statement? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just the, the importance of, 
you know, I like these fields. I can, I can work myself into these fields. I know how to get there. Just in terms of confidence was just huge. I want to bring up the word yips, you know, but the hair on the back of my neck stands up just saying it in so many of my listeners, you know, it's kind of one of those words, like you just don't say shank, you don't say yip. And it's in its purest form from your expertise. What is it? And how do we get rid of it? <laughs> well, it's, uh, this kind of comes into my background. I've stuttered okay. my whole life. Stuttering is an automatic ability gone awry. The yips is an automatic ability gone awry. They feel mentally the exact same. <laughs> I know because I've had both. <laughs> but, okay. but, and so the answer is not trying harder. The answer is uh, letting go. And the million dollar question is, you know, how, how do you let go of something that, you know, everything inside you says to control? That's my definition of, of the yips is mm -hmm. it's something that is meant to operate on automatic something goes awry and we naturally want to control the outcome our mind just gets in the way but mm -hmm. you know as human beings i like to emphasize you know every we all carry around the potential potential you know to self-sabotage and that's just kind of one one uh, element of it yeah and we and, and yips when we say that word the first thing you think of is putting and, yeah. and I think most, and, and a lot of amateurs think that it, maybe it only applies to putting, but it's a real thing in the full swing as well. There's been a number of players that have got into having the full swing yips. When you started working with Brendan on these fundamentals and the mental side and really, you know, putting its own compartment of the mental standpoint, here are the things that you need to do from a mental standpoint. And then, of course, you know, Bradley's over there working on the things from the technical standpoint. Um, at what point, how long did you feel as you started in and working with him that things were starting to kind of move in the right direction or maybe start to kind of get over the hump a little bit? Was this something that, that would take, say, a week, a month, or a year? I mean, give us somewhat of a timeline when you're working with someone like this who clearly at that point kind of hit the bottom, right? I mean, you go to 2016 yeah. to 2018, he played 41 times, missed 37 cuts. It was a real grind there. How long does this take to really kind of start to show some improvement where the player looks at you and says, you know what? I'm, I think we're starting to move the needle here a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we talk a lot about uh, kind of breaking our competitive environment down into moments mm -hmm. and just uh, really focusing on mastering each moment talk about that a lot with brendan in terms of just narrowing a big miss you know i we uh it, it was a gradual thing but um it, it was pretty quick i mean by the time he got to q school we we were talking every week and just going i thought in a good direction just in terms of like like hey you know progress is not always in the objective results i think mm -hmm. if you're progressing in the right way uh, the objective results will obviously come, but sometimes you got to sit in the darkness and you got to figure out resources for the darkness. Hmm. And, you know, we spent, we spent quite a bit of time there in that stage, just talking about, you know, you know, d different outcomes and what it means for us personally and just how to navigate that. You know, Q school, I think was a huge turning point. You know, he started out, I think. What 71. year was this? What year was this in Q school? Uh, this was in eight. This was, uh, 
2018. 2018. Okay. Yeah, I guess it's 2018. And so, you know, to be honest with you, the expectations weren't high. I thought just to be playing was great. Mm-hmm. You know, he got to Q school. He didn't score great the first two days. But, again, he was playing. You know, he was he, he was performing, as I said. And he, he was – Far enough off after a couple of days, it was clear, you know, he wasn't going to make it unless he broke 62 days in a row, really. So um, he shot under par like the third day. I think he shot 67. He got a little better every day. I think he was 73, 71, 67. And then, then the final day, we actually, that was the first time we, we had talked um, during the tournament itself, you know. And, and I said, you know, just go out there and shoot a 59 or something, you know, just <laughs> – He's trended, and, you know, he went out and shot 62, I think, or 63. Yeah. And it was just like, okay, well, kind of, he took me seriously, you know? And so um, I thought that was cool, putting up good numbers. And it was funny because I didn't think he was going to the RSM the the following Monday because we were kind of up in the air on that. And and so I I was doing something, and a caddy buddy of mine, texted me he said does brendan need a caddy this week and so i'm like what and so so i just pulled it up on my computer it said he shot 60 63 in the monday qualifier and one by five i'm just yeah. like okay this is good you know and from there he played a solid tournament you know made a cut got four rounds in and from there it was just like okay you know with that past champion status that got him a few more tournaments so, you know, now instead of two or three tournaments, we're looking at four or five. And so he just kept playing solid, kept making cuts. And so it just really gave us a, it was a great space to do our work in. You know, it's just, it's fascinating because the RSM, of course, is this week. And, you know, that's one year ago, right? Where, yeah. and as the story goes, as I understand it, you know, he was kind of looking at potential other things to be doing he looked at a investing in a uh, a franchise for a pizza place and things like that he was already kind of maybe you know what this might not work out and then he shoots 63 in the money qualifier puts four good rounds together and then a year later ward he's the leader in the fedex cup <laughs> yeah. with, with back-to-back wins i mean it's just it's yeah. amazing. It really is. It's just an amazing you know, story. By the end of the year, his game was so tight at the end yeah. of the year. I kept telling him, I said, your game's tight enough to do something, you know, and and it was. I mean, that just 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 finishing that 200 was a huge accomplishment. I yeah. mean, on a limited number of starts and and you know, our focus was just uh, you know, not on not on the next golf tournament, but it's just on, on getting better. It was just, you know, working our box as we call it. Just yeah. Just uh getting better every week, you know, against yourself, but great. Really, not really. I'm not really surprised at the good play. You know? Yeah. No, at I'm all. sure you're not. I'm sure you're not. And Bradley uh, isn't as well because you guys are so close to it and you've seen the progress and I'm sure it just has to be so gratifying to, to see where he was when you started and, and, you know, and then to rattle off back to back wins you know, in at, at the Bermuda Championship and then at Mayakoba, and now here he is back in Georgia. Can we go ahead and make it three in a row? And probably, of course, he knows very well. Um, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. A, a year ago, we're out um, walking. You know, he, he created his own little tournament, and, and he walked like uh, 72 holes, you know, in a row for four days in a row and carried his bag to kind of prepare for Q school. And 
So, you know, we're doing that. We're, we're, we're hitting balls in the basement, you know, in our shorts. We're just, uh, we're out on the course just by ourselves, spending time, just, just tracking our numbers, just seeing the game get tighter and tighter. So, yeah. I want to I just switch topics here briefly real quick. Uh, when you look at a player like a Jordan Spieth and, and the struggles that he went through in putting, when you, when you watch a player inside four feet, when they react the way that he did, right, or flinch or whatever the word you want to cause it, do you, do you look at that as a yip or do you look at that as someone who's just struggling with putting? Because it was interesting during that time when Jordan was struggling you know, you had you had half of people saying, well, he's got the yips. And then the other half, you know, it's not the yips. He's just kind of struggling. He's going to work through it. I mean, how do you look at that in what Jordan went through with his short putting there for a while? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'd classify it as the yips. I just, I mean, he's been such a good putter. I mean, yeah. so spotlights on him. Um, I mean, to sustain the level of his putting, you know, sooner or later it was bound to, yeah. you know, come back to earth a little. Yeah, I mean, th th there's a whole debate, you know, how much is mental, how much is physical. I think it's both. And, you know, obviously, you know, sometimes it's a process for players to come to terms with, you know, okay, it, I, I probably am getting in my way mentally. Yeah. Because, you know, protecting your confidence out there is, is uh, you know, it's an important part of the game. Mm -hmm. We can definitely, our mind can definitely be our enemy sometimes, and sometimes it's just a process of getting it to, be our friend again. And and we, and that kind of segues, it's a good segue here to this, you know, one of my final questions here that I have, which is, you know, there's a lot of amateurs listening to this podcast right now. And they're thinking to themselves, you know, when does someone maybe need a little help more from the mental side versus say the physical or technical side? I mean, are there signs that you would, you know, go to that, where someone would be listening to this and saying, you know what, I need to talk to someone, you know, from the mental side about my performance on the golf course. Because when I get out there, these things happen. What, what would maybe some of those things be that would kind of be an indicator that someone needs to, you know, maybe do a little bit more work on the mental side? Well, I, I work with a, a local high schooler, and this kid's just all in, you know. And mm -hmm. but he he's kind of the type that lives and dies on every shot, right? And so, you know, we, we were talking a while back, and he said, he said, you know, I've only really ever had one fist pump in my <laughs> life, and and this kid's played probably for five years, you know, and hard every day. He tries so hard, you know, and he's got some talent, and you know, I just thought that was sad. One of my goals is, is to get you some more fist pumps. But the game, the game of golf is just endless feedback, right? You know, we formulate an intent on every shot, and we hardly ever reach it 100%, right? So, you know, golf is a game of misses, right? Whoever misses yeah. the best wins. And so it, it can beat you up, but, you know, people need to see it as, you know, getting better at handling adversity, that's golf. You know, that, that's a vital aspect of the game. And so, obviously, your objective result is not always going to be great, but that's a time where you can actually be improving as a golfer because handling that feedback moment, that outcome moment, is just as important as planning a shot or playing a shot. It all evens out. I really, truly believe that. You know, it's just a metaphor of life across the board. I mean, d dealing with adversity, you know, learning how to sit with dark times and and, and move on.
and uh, mm. you know, I just think it's it's just a great game, and I love it. Well, I think there's a lot of high school players, college players, mini tour players right now watching what Brendan Todd has done over the last couple weeks, right? And then yeah. going back and understanding his story as we've been talking about bits and pieces of it. I would think that that has to be very uh, inspiring um, to them to keep grinding, to keep working hard, but also to not only work on yourself from physical mechanical standpoint, but also doing the things to get yourself mentally stronger and uh, more mentally tough as, as you've clearly done with, uh, with Brendan. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the goal is to take, take the best body and the best mind, you know, that we can into our performance. And so I think I like to say, you know, you can either cast a small net or you can cast a big net. And I tell people to cast their net big, look for resources to help you get better in every aspect of the Mm -hmm. game. You know, really, I mean, Brendan's story is just, you know, we have like a little running joke. I remind Brendan every week. I said, remember, you're no Rory. (laughs) And, And by that, I just, you know, I say, but being Brendan Todd's a pretty good consolation prize. Just, you know, remember, remember that, that you have something special and that, you know, find, so my message is find what you do well and own it mm. and be content with that. Yeah. That's such good advice. You know, be content with, with what you do. I, I once, another sports psychologist once told me, he said, it's interesting how players at this level of Brendan always feel like they need to be doing something else or something different or be someone else and just really getting them to peel it back and be grateful for who you are and what you do and own that and be great at that and give that perspective can, you know, almost just kind of lift a a bunch of weight off their shoulders in some ways. Yeah. As you know, I, I love how Kevin Kisner put it a while back. He said, you know, PJ tour is an improvement league. That's where, that's where it's at. If you can find a way, to improve every year, no matter where you are, whether you're playing on the Latin tour or Canadian tour or, you know, state opens, if you're getting better every year, then you're going in a good direction, mm. you know, and, but, but it's a challenge, you know, when yeah. the, the, the margins are low, as far as sometimes you got to go into what uh, Dave Allred calls the, the, the ugly zone to, <laughs> to get that, that uh, last improvement that you need. The ugly zone. There's so many things here. The ugly zone, the resources of the darkness. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and steal a couple of these, if you don't mind. Um, sure. <laughs> when I speak to young professionals, sometimes, you know, the parallel of life and golf, there's 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 a lot there. And just even in my side of the business, you know, the failures as a professional golfer are you know, obviously are more apparent when they shoot 75, 77, they're missing cuts, they're losing status, you know, the world sees it, right? And, you know, I think in everyday life, of course, we're not living it that transparently with everyone. But the reality is, as you're pushing yourself in your own industry, and you're trying to move yourself forward and, um, and and trying to to be the best that you can be, there's going to be some failures, people are going to tell you no, a lot. And you have to, you know, you have to, to learn how to, to deal with that and, and work through that. And there's going to be some down times as well. I think just about in any industry, if you're really pushing yourself and you're really trying to take it to the next level. So there's, uh, I think the failure part of the game and the, and the part of life, I think is just a, is a learning curve that 
that we have to spend time and understand and and do the best that we can with it. Yep, I you know I, I love the phrase "fail forward." Make sure you're failing forward. Make sure you're you know being constructive with your lows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I call it forwardly constructive. Well, and that's the third one that I'm going to take. Fail forward. Um, so many great nuggets and um, it's a great story as I've mentioned a few times here congratulations um, uh, to you and uh, your success and great story and uh, I I hope that uh, the success of Brendan Todd just continues because uh, he's a terrific player and um, you know two wins now leading the FedEx Cup who knows right let's see uh, let's see where he can take and I wouldn't be surprised if he just rattled off his third win in uh, in georgia so ward i appreciate your time the best of luck uh into the 2020 season hey travis i really enjoyed uh talking with you thank you for listening to the stripe show podcast with travis fulton all of my guests receive the new aeropex headphones from aftershocks check them out at aftershocks.com we'll see you right here next time on the stripe show podcast